Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up? Real MVPs, Ricky Widmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And Brandon, I have to tell you, because I know you are not a watcher of the Rick and Johnny podcast, I kind of screwed up that intro this week, and I might have called Johnny the one, the only, fellow man-child, Johnny Carlick. I forgot what podcast I was on yesterday. It was a Sunday, it was... During my football, so I had football on the mind. I don't know how you're able to do that. I mean, it it happens sometimes, but I had to tell you because right away I was like, no, you are not Brandon Swanson, you are Johnny Carlick, but today I am joined with the one, the only Brandon Swanson, Swanson, and we're back here on the Primetime Podcast to talk about college football, and what a week, really I say what a week, but really this week kind of sucked, I'll be completely honest. For the most part, yes. Except for like a few games here or there, the Clemson-Texas A&M game was good, The South Florida-Georgia Tech game was good. Um, I also enjoyed the Arizona State game, watching that game really late at night. But besides that, it was a bunch of blowouts. Um, Notre Dame fans freaked out um, because you only beat Ball State, what was it, 24-16, to and they freaked out that, oh, my God, we almost lost to Ball State. But I'm sitting there going, who cares? You survived. Focus on Vandy, who's a tougher opponent this week. But we are now moving into next week, and week three should be – a little bit back to what we saw in week one. Maybe a little bit more challenging games, some conference games, but we got a jam-packed show for you guys. Before I get into everything we're going to talk about here in college football, let me just get through the housekeeping nice and quick. If you want to help support the channel, make sure to check out patreon.com backslash most available podcast. We've had Matt on. We've had Pat on this podcast. We've had numerous people on other podcasts. You can do that as well if you check out patreon.com backslash most available podcast. You can also get an MVP t-shirt, that's store link down below in the description, or you can check it out at mostvaluablepodcast.com, or you can also catch MVP each and every day. And then last but not least, I have not checked, I'm actually going to do it live on the podcast. Well, not really live, because we're not live, but I always say I'm going to check, Brandon, and then I don't. So I'm going to check now. Um, Go over to iTunes, even if you're on YouTube, if you could please go over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, it would really mean the world to us. Looking at the primetime podcast, we have a solid four out of five rating. I would like to bump that up. And the only, the only written one says it's a one-star review, which I personally don't agree with, but to each their own, it says all SEC don't bother. And it's the good old boys comment, which we are not a couple of good old boys. We're not even talking SEC today, which that was his complaint that all we talk about is SEC. So please go over to iTunes, change the opinion of the podcast because it's just wrong. It's a wrong opinion, and we need you guys, the MVP faithful, the real MVPs, to help set the record straight. Let us know why you like listening to the podcast so others know, and then give us that five-star rating if you could, please. But, Brian, like I said, no SEC teams on the on the docket today. We've got... ACC, we're talking Virginia Tech, 
kind of a little bit jumping the gun, but it's going to be a good topic in the ACC. Then we're going to look at Ohio State and TCU, a Big Ten team and a Big 12 team, and can the Horn Frogs make a statement against the Buckeyes? Then we're going to look at your favorite conference, the Pac-12, Arizona State 2-0 on the year, upset Miss Michigan State, almost in Mississippi State. See, maybe I am a good old boy. I got that SEC on the mind, but no, they beat Michigan State. We're going to talk about could they surprise teams in the Pac-12 this year, and then we're going to end the show making our week three picks for this week in college football, but let's start with that first topic. Virginia Tech, they are a team played really well, especially defensively, against Florida State at Florida State on Labor Day. Against William and Mary, we both assumed they were going to blow them out, and they did, 62-17. to 17. Like, how dare that defense let the Tribe score 17 points against them? They'll play East Carolina State before Old Dominion, before starting their ACC schedule. But after two weeks, Brandon, this is kind of me jumping the gun and also overlooking Miami. But I want to ask you is, first off, do you think Virginia Tech is going to win the ACC Atlantic after two games? And if they do, could they challenge Clemson for the ACC crown? I think Virginia Tech looks really good right now and uh, probably will know more after week three and beyond if they are going to be looking just as good as they are now and if they will be the team that is going to come out as the favorite in the Atlantic. Now, the bigger question there of could they take on Clemson and actually give Clemson, you know, a run? Mm -hmm. They can if they don't turn the football over. That's the thing with so many teams is that you can unless you turn the football over. Last year in the game that Clemson played against Virginia Tech, it was a 31-17 final score. Clemson got the win. Mm -hmm. Virginia Tech had three turnovers in that game, two interceptions and a fumble lost. That's what lost them the game. Mm -hmm. Turnovers. This past weekend, Clemson sneaked by a very competitive Texas A&M football program. An excellent job. Give it up to Texas A&M. They played really well, and Kellen Mond is a very, very good quarterback. I'm telling you nothing new I mean, they had for a chance, Texas A&M. They had a chance to win that game. One two-point conversion, we're tied going to overtime in that one. But I also want to say two turnovers in this game. Mm-hmm. Both of those turnovers fumbles by the Aggies. Mm-hmm. Clemson played a clean game. They had no turnovers. The way that you're going to beat Clemson is if you win the turnover battle. And if you lose it, you're you're just hurting yourself, mm-hmm. clearly. And I think that that's something that Texas A&M saw, yes, excuse me, not yesterday, but this past weekend, as they lose by two, 28-26. They were in that ball game. They certainly were. They were a lot closer than I thought it would be. I didn't think it would necessarily be a blowout, but I didn't think that it would be a two-point game at the end. But again, that's the way that you're going to beat Clemson. You have to play a clean game, and you have to try and force turnovers from Clemson because mm-hmm. they don't do it a whole lot. They do not often turn the football over, and that's why they're one of the best teams out there because they have a really good defense that forces a lot of turnovers, and they have an offense that is pretty pretty good about keeping things clean. Well, and you hit the nail on the head because I'm going for Virginia Tech kind of to overlook the William and Mary game because offensively they 
all the touchdowns mostly came from the running backs. They had what one, two, three, four, five, six touchdowns from running backs. Um, Josh Jackson at quarterback only had one touchdown in the game. And William and Mary, I don't think, turned the ball over. Let me look at the team stats really quickly. They did. So they had two fumbles lost. Virginia Tech had a fumbled loss. And um, Virginia Tech won the turnover battle. But that is exactly what needs to happen. Because I look at that first game against Florida State. That defense looked like all I heard all offseason after we did the ACC preview. And I said... I don't think Florida State is going to be as good as people think this year. All I heard all offseason, it's kind of like with Buffalo Bill fans on the NFL side, of like, Ricky, you're wrong. DeAndre Francois is going to come back. He's going to be the starter. Cam Akers, look at this guy. Look at that guy. I get it. You're fans of your team. You're excited in the offseason. It would kind of be dull or be kind of boring if you were like, yeah, we suck. That's how it's going to be. But that's the life of an Illinois Fighting Illini fan, not a Florida State Seminole fan. And for Illini fans getting mad at me, I am one of you, so I can make fun of us. But you look at that game, and you look at Josh Jackson, zero INTs in that game. But you look at what that Bud Foster defense was able to do to DeAndre Francois. Yeah, he had over 200 yards, but he threw three picks in that game. More importantly... You look at the running backs, Jock Jock Patrick couldn't get nothing going on. He only had 40 yards. Cam Akers, who some people are like, oh, 1,000-yard back from last year can really be in the Heisman discussion. Like, forget Bryce Love. Like, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers could be right in the discussion with them. He had 82, a respectable one, but it's like 82, no score, and Florida State only gets three points on the board at home against Virginia Tech, and let's be honest, that game should have been a lot higher because Virginia Tech came right out of the gate. I thought when they went up 10-0, I was like, this one's not going to be close at all. This is going to be a runaway freight train. But then the offense for Virginia Tech also kind of stalled and kind of almost let Florida State back into that game. That, to me, is the most important part to this with Virginia Tech. The defense is going to be strong. It's what will you get from the offense week in and week out, especially against those good teams on the schedule, because you're going to have to put up points. I'm going to tell you right now, when Virginia, if Virginia Tech plays Clemson in the ACC title game, they're going to need more than 27 points to probably beat them, and they're not just going to hold Clemson to three points. There's no way that's going to happen. When they play Virginia or when they play Notre Dame on October sixth, they're not going to hold Notre Dame to just three points. When they play Miami, yes, I'm kind of overlooking Miami with this discussion, but they're not just going to hold Miami to three points. LSU sitting there raising their hand, they're like, "We did. Why can't they?" But my point is that defense played really good week one, and these better offenses are going to score a little bit of points. The most important part is the offense needs to do enough to score enough points to win, duh. But this Bud Foster defense, if they go up against Clemson, it's exactly like you said. you got to force either Kelly Bryant or Trevor Lawrence, whoever's the starter, if not both of them still playing by that ACC title game, you got to force them to turn the ball over. Yeah, you absolutely do. And, And again, that's something that Clemson just doesn't do a whole lot of. 
mm-hmm. and they they are really good about taking care of the football. So that's going to be that's going to be a really interesting thing because if you look at Clemson's schedule again, they've got Georgia Southern this this upcoming uh, weekend. It's not even it shouldn't even be a, a, a contest, mm-hmm. and then they start to get into uh, some games where. It could get a little interesting, like on the road at, at Georgia at Georgia Tech, just because of the way and style of offense that they run. That mm-hmm. could be interesting to see how Clemson's defensive line does against them. Then they've got Syracuse, Wake Forest, NC State is always an interesting one. Then they're on on the road at Florida State. Louisville shouldn't be much of a challenge at Boston College. Boston College two and zero to start the season. Then Duke, Duke with the Kind of a surprise win. I I think you could say a surprise win this past weekend against Northwestern. And then at home against South Carolina, and maybe South Carolina Mm -hmm. isn't as good as they thought that they were uh, after this past weekend's game where a lot of people thought, oh, they're gonna get up for this one. They Man. are. They're gonna. They're gonna make it close. It was. That nuts. was one of my favorite things from the picks, and it's it's just funny looking back at it, all the comments we got on the picks of like South Carolina is gonna win. They're gonna win. And I went. Mm, they really showed up for that one because they got dominated by Georgia. That was supposed to be the game where it's like, yeah, we take the SEC East. No, we don't. We're not ready for it. Um, but I mean, Virginia Tech and Clemson. This is kind of the battle that I'm waiting for, and. You kind of went through the schedule a little bit um, on that side of, like, for me, when I look at, like, even Virginia Tech, like, their next game this week, I know many people are going to say, Ricky, it's East Carolina, this hokey team should be able to beat them, but let's look at our history a little bit. Brandon, do not forget, I know it was a different day, a different time, a different hokey team, but do not forget 2015 when this was Virginia Tech went on the road. They're at home this week against East Carolina. But they went on the road against East Carolina in 2015, lost 35-28. to 28. So anything is possible in college football. The next two weeks, I feel like Virginia Tech just has to take care of business. Then we'll really get to see what we're going to get from this Virginia Tech team. Because... I feel like we saw it early on, that first game, the Labor Day game, because it was Florida State. Like, Florida State could have came out, made a statement against Virginia Tech. The Willie Taggart era has started, and it really was like, oh, the tires aren't even on the car at Florida State. They had to still install the tires and pump them up with air before the game. I'm wondering, maybe now, because we're getting William & Mary, we're getting East Carolina, we're getting Old Dominion, People, if people will sleep on the Hokies because we're going to be so far removed from, hey, they beat a Florida State team that many thought were going to beat them. I mean, both, what is it? Um, I can't remember if it's Jake Palmer, Jesse Palmer on ESPN, and then Desmond Howard. Watching them before the game, I was getting a little irate because I'm like, oh, one of them's going to pick the Hokies. Both of them said Seminoles. And then by halftime, they were like, well, crumple up this paper. I was wrong. Like, the Hokies came out to play. So I wonder, because they've got these cupcake opponents, and I'm using air quotes because, like I said, anything is possible, is if by the time we get to that Duke game, if people are going to be a little less hot on the Hokies because of how far removed we are from that Labor Day 24-3 win over FSU. They might be, but Virginia Tech might be one of those teams that just kind of stays uh, laying in the weeds mm-hmm. until it's time to 
to pounce, then they come out and everyone's like, "Oh, there's Virginia Tech again." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, playing playing a good game. The, the the next the next game for Virginia Tech that anyone's going to pay attention to, it's going to be that game against Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. That's what it's going to be. So uh, give it a couple of weeks, and then they'll be then they'll be talking about Virginia Tech again because for right now, there's really no reason to. They mm-hmm. should be taking care of business for the next three, uh, but it's going to be that October sixth game against Notre Dame at home which is going to be one of those games that Virginia Tech, Mm -hmm. they're definitely going to want to get. They've got North Carolina and Georgia Tech right after that. Then Boston College, Pitt, Miami, and end against Virginia. So I think that, again, the Notre Notre Dame game is going to be the the, the biggest one. That's Mm going to be their next test. Miami... I don't know. My, I was going to ask you about that. My, Are we Miami, right to overlook them? Miami is no, you're not, because as poorly as Miami played, I think in week one, mm-hmm. should not say we should not be saying that that's exactly how they're going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, anyone who watched the Chicago Bears in week one, yep. and saw them the lose to halves. the Green Bay Packers the way that they did, no one then can should be going and saying. Well, the Bears are going to do this to us all year. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're going to be garbage. They're going to be like, you know, they're going to be like this. Depending on who you looked that's, at, that's what social media was saying. But, but but you know what? You know what I'm trying to get yeah. at is that you cannot define a team mm-hmm. because of their Week One performance. Yeah. I don't think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be worth anything. Well, but they sure look. They play but they Ryan sure looked good in Week One. Mm-hmm. So that's that's. I mean, that's I know on the NFL side, but yeah. you can really do the same thing here mm-hmm. with college football. Well, and you, and, and, you, and you should be. But while Miami did not play well week one mm-hmm. they came out and, and and won what 77 to nothing this past week like I it mean, was it was savannah state but yes it was 77 but you, to but you know what i'm saying again yeah. I, we, we, it we takes a good performance to do that and, and then we also don't know on the other side is mm-hmm. lsu going to be mm-hmm. we'll, we'll find that out probably this weekend Against when they play auburn, auburn. Mm-hmm. but until you start playing other teams within the top 25 teams in the power five stuff like that that's when you start to get a good sense for how is this team going to be how are they going to handle high pressure situations mm-hmm. how are they going to handle uh you know being able to come back in a ball game stuff like that that's when we start to find out so you certainly cannot look past miami because the minute you do that the minute you lose and that's why i find it funny that the october 6th weekend is the next game you mentioned notre dame for Virginia Tech, that's Florida State for Miami. Like, that is the next game for both teams that'll really be like, all right, this is the time where you put up or shut up because, like, Miami at Toledo, they should beat Toledo. Should beat Toledo. At Florida International, you should beat Florida International. Against the Tar Heels on Thursday night football, you should be able to beat the Tar Heels this year in football. It's that Florida State game where even though Florida State lost to even though Florida State lost 24 to 3 against Virginia Tech, although they were down, what was it, 26 to 23 at halftime to Samford? I looked at that game on Saturday. They were down, what if I do my math right, they had 21 points. Samford had 20, yeah, 23-21. They're down by two. To Samford at halftime. And I get the whole college football, especially early on in the season, is all about it's not how you play in the first half. It's can you make those halftime adjustments. And usually teams, 
that play horrible in the first half, but are good teams come out in the second half like Florida State did, and they won 36-26. to Still, only a 10-point win over Sanford. Dave was sitting next to me as we were watching that score, and he said to me, who's Sanford? Like, he didn't even know. He's like, does he have a son? Is it Sanford and son? Is that who they're playing? He didn't even know that they were a school. Like, they should have blown them out. So for me, just like you said, Virginia Tech, October 6th against Notre Dame's a big game. That Miami-Florida State game's a big one because it's like, all right, here's the first opponent that you're going to play that, yeah, it might not be a ranked opponent, but it's still a prestigious opponent in your conference. What can you do against this team after having the, what, four-game cushion since you've got embarrassed by LSU to start the year? And then, obviously, the biggest game of them all, November 17th, when... Basically, to me, the Atlantic division is going to be decided when Virginia Tech and Miami face off in Blacksburg, Virginia, in order to play to see who will represent the ACC Atlantic and take on the Clemson Tigers, because I still think Clemson is going to win their side of the ACC. Any final thoughts for you before we move on into Ohio State TCU. I was just going to say one more thing dealing with Miami, who I mm-hmm. know isn't even you know part of the what's going to be part of the subject line for this title, but uh, but they're they're technically related to it. True. I was going to say Malik Rozier had 131 yards, two touchdowns. Again, I know who they played. Mm-hmm. I get it. But Nikasi Perry played 93 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Certainly, one of the things that we were talking about after that Week One game where they played LSU is they, they pull is, the is that Malik Rozier did not look comfortable. He mm-hmm. did not look good. Certainly, with a bounce back week as most people expected, mm-hmm. which is good to see. But you get Perry in there as well. He uh, stat wise. He put up the, the the numbers that you would want to see. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know the interception in there, but three TDs to one interception. I'll take that yeah. almost every day, unless the interception was to lose the game. Mm-hmm. But I think that that just goes to show again. You know, they they do bounce back. You need to have a game like like this mm-hmm. after a, a lot of times after a game like you had against LSU. So. Miami is still a team that they're 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 gonna be around. They're gonna be around. Do not expect them to go away. And that's what kind of Virginia Tech has to, how, how they have to look at it too is that Miami is still going to be there. There's they're gonna be around this season. So at the end of the year, it is gonna be important when you play them. You are gonna need to play well, and you are gonna be playing for something when you play them. So that's why also too that Notre Dame game coming up in October, early October, is gonna mm-hmm. be really important to try and snag that one from the Fighting Irish, because if you don't, then yes, it's a loss outside of the conference, but it is another loss on the schedule. That was one thing that always confuses me is, so Notre Dame is independent, so when they play Virginia Tech, it's an out-of-conference game, but the only they're a part of the ACC to where they play a partial ACC schedule. Is that what it is? They're not, I mean, they're not part of the ACC. They do not belong okay. to anything. It just it always confused me how... Like, they have all these. It's like, we're not going to be in the ACC, but, like, if you look at our schedule, it's like we've got Syracuse and Florida State and Pitt and Virginia Tech and Wake Forest. It's like, just join the conference. Just join the conference. People have been saying for years. Like, maybe that'll actually help you get to a college football playoff uh, and not just be the team that's the independent. Unless you're just going to – might, and this is a a side that I'm going to have – that's why whenever I use Notre Dame and NCAA football, 
Or if like I did another team and did conference realignment to say, screw it, I'm going to be an independent team. I would just schedule. Basically, what I would do is start week one, go with the number one team, two, three, four, all the way down the schedule towards basically like I am beating the number one team each week until I became the number one team by like week three. And then I'm beating the number two team each week because it's like boom, 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 and I'm knocking them all off. And, of course, that game was the BCS. So it's like, hey, look at all these number ones and number twos that I've beaten. And I'm clearly going to the BCS national title. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in that comment section. What do you think about Virginia Tech this year? Will they be able to challenge Clemson to take the ACC crown? Will they even have the chance? Or will Miami still be in the mix to win the ACC this year. Let us know what you think down below in that comment section. But Brandon, let's move on into our next topic. And we're doing kind of a similar thing. We're going to do this a lot this season. But we did it last week with Clemson and Texas a and I'm kind of previewing a game that is going to happen this upcoming week. Doing it a little bit earlier. Second segment this week. It was the third segment last week. But I thought that, you know what, the... The ASU segment is more of like, yes, that one can sit and marinate for a while. This is one where it's got a short shelf life. So why not give it the extra day? Have it be the second segment on the podcast. But we've got a big game going on in Jerry World, number 15 TCU, technically in the home uniforms. They will be playing number four Ohio State. Both teams 2-0 Brandon to start the year. TCU have beaten riveting teams like Southern and SMU 55-7 and 42-12. And the Buckeyes have beaten down the Beavers of Oregon State 77-31 and then had a riveting game against Rutgers where they won 52-3. So both these teams come in 2-0. And I want to ask you this, only because the TCU Horned Frogs are the team ranked lower than the Buckeyes is why I'm phrasing it this way. Will the Horn Frogs make a statement against Ohio State this weekend? I don't see it. I don't see that they're going to be able to to make a statement against them. And, and the reason being is because yes, Ohio State has not played you know, terribly quality opponents either with Oregon State and then Rutgers. But I just I think Ohio State's defense is 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 too good and can, has too many playmakers to allow. TCU to really I know. they gave up 31 points to Oregon State and, and, and I get that and I said that I said that I didn't I didn't like that I honestly I didn't I mean you, you give up 31 points to Oregon State you shouldn't um ever but I they they, they didn't they they won 77 to 31 yep but um I I I don't see it I don't see how they're going to be able to how TCU is going to be able to keep pace mm-hmm. with the way that Ohio State can score, and they can score in a hurry. Haskins has been outstanding so far. Phenomenal. He, he has been. He has been really, really fun to watch. He's been just on point with so many of his passes. Five touchdowns to one interception game one. Four touchdowns to no interceptions this past week against Rutgers. I mean, he's 
He's also spot on. He's very accurate. He was 20 of 23 this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that also is really important. You can put up a lot of points. You can put up a lot of really good numbers and be you know 20 of 45. But he's doing this while being very consistent and a very effective. Yeah. 20 of 23 is outstanding. You have three incomplete passes the mm-hmm. entire game. Only one that's, INT through two games is phenomenal. That's solid. I mean, that's absolutely solid. And, and putting up nine touchdowns with mm-hmm. that. You're getting really good production from your running game with Ohio State. They put up, again, over 200 yards on the ground, a pair of scores with J.K. Dobbins getting another touchdown. I I just think that there's too much firepower here mm-hmm. for Ohio State. And then, of course, with TCU and the Big 12 overall not being known for having the best defenses, how do you stop Ohio State? Mm-hmm. If you're you TCU, how do you stop them and how do you even limit them? So far, they have they've been above fifty or above to start the season in terms of points. Mm-hmm. And like the thing I look at coming into this one is, first off, I'm going to say this: if you're expecting me in this segment to make a pick like I did last week, where I'm like, oh, I'm going to spoil my pick and say I still have Clemson winning, don't expect that because at this point, while we are recording the podcast, I still don't know who I'm going to pick in this game. Like. If I showed them our pick sheet, Brandon, and you can look at it yourself right now, if you looked at it, every single game is filled out except for this one. It says Ohio State slash TCU because I just don't know who I'm going to pick yet. And the the thing that I'm coming down to is what I'm thinking about for this one is that it's going to be a shootout. Duh. It's like two great offenses are going to go against each other, especially Ohio State's offense. But the side of the football that I think is going to be the most important is when TCU's offense is on the field and Ohio State's defense is on the field. Because Ohio State doesn't have, and I'm not saying TCU does, but what's the joke we say about the Big 12? Is that those teams don't like to play defense. It's all offense, no defense. Kind of like the NBA. All offense, no defense. But Ohio State... They've got a really good defense. They've got guys on that defense that are probably going to be in the NFL sooner rather than later, especially um, the mini boa constrictor um, on that team for Ohio State. I just I wonder how it's going to play when TCU's offense is out there and you've got Sean Robinson who like and that's the thing where is are his stats good? Yes, over 300 yards in two games. He's four touchdowns, only one INT, has a good rating. But I will but say you, really quickly yeah. that he is last in the Big 12 in terms of pass exactly. efficiency. When you look at it compared to what Haskins has done, obviously the scale is tipped all the way over to Ohio State. So in order to win this game, TCU's offense is going to have to keep up with Ohio State. But the question is, can they? Because will Ohio State's defense be enough of a force to limit TCU's offense while the Ohio State offense runs away with the game. Well, I think that if you're if you're looking f- from a TCU perspective, mm-hmm. if guys if guys like Corey Bethley, Ty Summers are able to get into the backfield mm-hmm. and are able to win at the point of attack in the trenches, they could have an opportunity. Both of those guys, the top sack. Uh, leaders mm-hmm. for TCU three and two respectively, but if 
if they're not able to do that, if they're not able to put pressure on Haskins, which has been something that has not happened yet, no one has been able to put pressure on Haskins from the in the first two matchups, Ohio, Oregon State rather, and then with Rutgers this past weekend, he's had all the time in the world to be able to throw. That's why he's been effective. That's why he's mm-hmm. been really efficient. His offensive line is giving him great opportunity after great opportunity. TCU may be that team that puts a little bit more pressure on him, but I also like what I've seen from Haskins. He seems to be just a really good playmaker overall, not just because Mm -hmm. they've been playing lesser opponents, but because he is actually that good. And that is not surprising in the least bit at all. And remember that time when you were nervous that Day was going to be the play caller and that Ohio State, you know, may not be as good without Urban Meyer. Remember let, that one let, time? Let's not get it twisted. I was hard on Day, yes, but I was hard on Day because he had no head coaching experience. I did not think, I was not dumb enough to think that Ohio State was going to lose the first two games of the year. This was the game I was looking at. It's like, the oh, this could be the problem. However, that was X amount of weeks ago. I think it was like two or three weeks ago. I've seen two games now. I have two games under my belt, and part of me wants to lean a little bit more. Like, here's the thing I wonder with this game. What kind of a game are we going to see? Are we going to see a game similar to, and I'm going back into the archives for this, are we going to see games like we saw in 2015 where Oklahoma and TCU went head-to-head and it was a 30-29 to loss? For TCU, or if you go back 2014 when they lost 61 to 58 to Baylor, or are we going to see? And this is what could probably happen in a. I know it was a bowl game, but in a bowl game against Kirby Smart in his first year at Georgia, where they lost 31 to 23. Is that that's probably closer to what we're going to see? I don't think we see like a 61 to 58 win for the Buckeyes. I think it'll be closer to about 31 to 38 points for the Buckeyes. Maybe like if the Horn Frogs lose, it'll be about a 20 to 27 for them. That means if TCU wants to win, they either have to do one of two things. They either have to keep up with the Buckeyes and score more points than them, which is easier said than done. Or the defense, like you said, has to buckle down a little bit, stop the Buckeyes, get that offense off the field so that TCU can go ahead and score points. And I know this isn't the best, like this doesn't play into what the Big 12 is, but part of me wonders if TCU in this one, if they look to a little bit of, you know, they've got, because right now they've got three guys. They've got Sean Robinson, who's the quarterback. He has over 100 rushing yards, only on 10 carries. They've got Darius Anderson, who has over 100 yards in two games. And then they got Sewell uh, Olanlua. I hope I said that right. He's got about uh, just over 100 yards in two games. I wonder if they lean on the running game a little bit. And I know none of them have like 100 in one game. But if they lean on the run game a little bit, slow the offense down not necessarily slow the offense down but slow the pace down to where it's like you know what we're not going to let Ohio State's offense beat them 
Because we're not going to let them on the field. I don't think that happens. It's not going to like TCU's not going to completely change their philosophy in order to beat Ohio State. But I wonder if they try that from the start. Like, hey, we're going to take some shots downfield, but it's not going to be, we're not going to look like Oregon out there. It's not just going to go boom, 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 score as fast as we can because of how dominant Ohio State's offense has been. Let's rest our defense as well as keep their offense off the field. And that's why maybe third down conversions are going to be huge for TCU in this one. If they can convert most of those third down, keep Ohio State's defense on the field, that might be it. Keep the offense off, keep the opposing offense off the field, work and just chip away at that Ohio State defense to where hopefully they get weak when it comes to fourth quarter, when it comes to winning time in the football game? Well, TCU is ranked number one in terms of scoring defense Mm -hmm. in the Big 12. I mean, takeaways help. We talked about it in the first segment. Yeah, absolutely. So so that's where they're ranked there. They're third in rushing defense. They're first in passing defense. Mm -hmm. And, And again, I think that one of the things that is going to be interesting is is how they're able to pass against this mm-hmm. this uh, Ohio State defense. How are they going to do there? And because so far they're seventh in the Big Ten in passing efficiency, mm-hmm. they haven't been all that effective. Uh, you know that's that's one of the I, I would say points of I don't want to say concern, but one of the spots where you look at it and you go, eh. Sean Robinson hasn't been great to this point, but will he step up in this big game against Ohio State? Mm -hmm. We'll have to see. But I think that they're going to have to be able to throw if they're going to want to keep up with the Buckeyes because they have not seen, TCU has not seen a team like Ohio State to Mm -hmm. this point. To be fair, though, on the other side, Ohio State has not seen a team with the the, a talent level that TCU has. They saw Oregon State, yes. Mm -hmm. They saw Rutgers, yes, two Power 5 schools, but they didn't see a Power 5 like talent Mm -hmm. level. I I mean, to to, to be honest, I mean, they really didn't see one of the better... uh, They haven't seen a a TCU-type talent team yet. The last time TCU had seen a team like Ohio State, you're dating back to last year with the Baker Mayfield Sooners, and they saw them twice that year, lost in normal Oklahoma 38-20, lost in the Big Ten title game 41-17. Like, it was no contest against the Sooners. And maybe you could say, well, oh, Oklahoma State is a high-power offense, but... It's just Oklahoma State, wrong OSU, basically, um, is what you're looking at there. And if you go back even further, like, the Oklahomas just beat TCU more times than not as I'm looking back. And even, like, some high-powered offenses do get to TCU. But if I'm TCU, the film that I'm really looking at, take that Rutgers film and just throw it out the window. The reason why I'm throwing it out the window is – Yes, you can see what Ohio State does well in that game, but Rutgers could not run the ball. You had, what, their their leading rusher only had 10 carries in that game. They had 31 carries total out of all their guys. And Sitkowski, who is basically, I believe he's a true freshman, starting a quarterback for them, um, only 18 passes, 38 yards, 
was nothing. They took him out of that game, and that is why. And, like, I'm not saying they ripped it, like, pulled him out, set him on the bench. I'm saying the Ohio State defense took him out of that game, made him a non-factor. But if you look at the Ohio State game, and I know it's like, or the Oregon State game, if you look at that game, you like to say, you love to say after week one, oh, how do you give 31 points to Oregon State? If I'm TCU, I'm looking at that, and I'm going, okay, how did Oregon State put up 31 points against Ohio State? Because if I'm TCU, I'm confident that this Gary Patterson defense can hold the Buckeyes to under 77 points. I don't think it's going to be, like, the TCU defense is not the same as the Oregon State defense. And, yes, there's a weather delay in that. First off, yes, Ohio State won the time of possession by, like, three minutes. But Oregon State still had 28, almost 29 minutes of game time with the ball. That's number one. you got to win the possession clock. The more time your offense has with the ball, the less times Haskin has with it, the less chances he gets to hurt you. It's kind of like you referenced the NFL earlier. It's like when you go up against Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. How do you beat them? You sit them on the bench. That's what you do. When they're off the field, they can't hurt you, basically, is what it is. Number two, don't turn over the football. Oregon State had two fumbles lost, but at the same time, they forced two turnovers. So if you could keep the turnover battle equal or win the turnover battle, that is number two. And like you said, they TCU leads the league right now in scoring defense. That is what they need to lean on. That is what they need to go at in this game. Then the third thing I would look at is basically look at the rushing totals. You had Pierce in that game for Oregon State, 11 carries, 168 yards, two touchdowns. You need one of these backs or maybe your quarterback to take over the game rushing the ball. You need to burn and, like I said, chip, chip, chip away at that Ohio State defense so that you get tired. It's kind of like when you're—I'm going to compare it to MMA and UFC. When you see the fighter just keep— Kicking at the leg, kicking at the leg, kicking at the leg. Just getting that fighter to where it's like, ow, that kind of hurts after a while. My leg feels tired, and then they fall to the mat, and that's when you just beat them down. That's what TCU has to do to Ohio State. Well, they certainly have to go get after Dwayne Haskins. That's the biggest thing that they're going to have to do. They need to be able to put pressure on him. And if they're, if they're able to do that and make him feel uncomfortable, that's going to certainly shape how play calling could go the rest of the evening there. And certainly they cannot let Weber or Dobbins be able to break free and have their way on the ground either. Again, Weber with 180-some yards and three touchdowns in week one against Oregon State, which was just absolutely ridiculous. He only came back with eight carries this past week for 30-some yards on the ground. It was more Dobbins this past week. But that, like you mentioned, to your point, Ricky, you have to be able to look at that and say, okay, how do you take some of these things away? How do you limit some of these things? And I'll say it again, as I mentioned in the first segment, is turnovers. It's it's going to be who's able, which defense is able to win the turnover battle. That's going to be very important. 
and which offense is going to be more effective and more efficient. I, I mean, I know that those are very simple mm-hmm. things to say with not a lot of analysis behind them, but that's that's about what you have to do. You need to take care of the football and make bigger plays. Here's the last two things I'm going to bring up. The first one is, let's see, I'm going to go TCU to AT and T Stadium. We're going to Google. We're going to bring Google Maps in um, for a little football analysis. It is about a as of right now at five. Well, it would be five forty eight on a Monday evening. It would take me about twenty four minutes to drive from TCU to AT and T Stadium. I'm not going to look up how far it is from Ohio State because it's a lot farther. It's about a plane ride and then a car ride or a bus ride. Um, over to the stadium. That's number one. Yeah, it's a neutral site, but TCU, it's right in your backyard. It is right in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. It is in your backyard. It should almost be like, if I'm going to compare it to a week one game, it should almost feel like that Auburn-Washington game thinking felt, the same thing. Where, yeah, Washington came into that game, but it was an Auburn-heavy crowd in that stadium. That's how it should feel in AT&T Stadium. But I know there will be more Ohio State Buckeye fans there because they will travel for this game. But you better hope that there are more TCU fans in that stadium. Number two, you mentioned scoring defense. I'm going to mention scoring offense to end my point. There is only one team after two games, and I know it's only two games. There is only one team after two games that is averaging more points than the Ohio State Buckeyes. And the only reason they're averaging more is because they've only played one game and they scored 66 points in that game. It's Toledo. Toledo is the only team that is averaging more points per game than the Buckeyes. But like I said, they only played one game as against a cupcake probably. Ohio State has the best scoring offense in the country after two games. You look at TCU, yeah, they're no joke, but they're at 14 right now. It is 64.5 for Ohio State. It is 48.5 for TCU. TCU needs to chip away at that defense, keep the Buckeyes' offense off the field, and then obviously convert on third down, convert in the red zone, and they should be able to have a shot to win this game. Any final thoughts before we move on into uh, good old Arizona State and Herm Edwards? I think that we're going to see a probably pretty good football game in in this one. I, mm-hmm. I would like to think that Ohio State is the better team going into this ball game and definitely has, the favorite. And I think oh they're heavy, heavy, heavy favorite. But Gary Patterson's teams, they love being able to be underdogs and prove people why they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And so that that's what they have going for them and they seem to work best in those types of environments. Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in the comment section for this game. What do you think about Ohio State? What do you think about TCU? Can the Horde Frogs upset and make a statement against the Buckeyes this weekend in Jerry World? Let us know what you think down below in that comment section. And Brandon, let's chug right along into our next segment, talking about Brandon's favorite conference in all of college football. The conference that he says, Ricky, I stay up late every single Saturday just to watch this conference because most of their games are starting at about 9.30 here in the Central Time Zone. Talking about the Pac-12, talking about Arizona State. Herm Edwards, what did he used to say, Brandon? What was the... uh, 
the quote that he used to say? We play to win the game. You play to win the game, and that is exactly what the Sun Devils are doing. Two games into this season, and I find it funny. We talked about three new coaches in the Pac-12. Pac-12. Chip Kelly, 0-2. Kevin Sumlin, 0-2. Herm Edwards, 2-0. Beaten University of Texas San Antonio, 49-7. And then the big win this past weekend, 16-13 over the number 15 team in the country. Now they are the number 25th team in the country, the Michigan State Spartans. And, Brandon, I'm going to ask you this question. Could Arizona State surprise people this year or surprise us this year in the Pac-12 now that we know what we got from them? Well, I, I think that they already have surprised people. I think that they already have surprised people. I don't think that there were too many people out there who believed that they would beat Michigan State. I mean, when we get to con- – they got Washington in two weeks. Are they going to surprise Washington in two weeks in Washington? No. Okay. <laughs> no, but you asked me the question. I know. They've already surprised people. Mm-hmm. They've already done better than what I expected them to do. I did not expect them to to beat Michigan State mm-hmm. at all. But could I'm- they in the Pac-12 no. The conference? No. Okay. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think there's there's too many other teams with 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 more talent. I mean, USC hasn't really looked all that great to start the season, but I think USC has mm-hmm. a little has a little bit more talent than than what Arizona State has and, and is playing with right now. Oregon, I, I I think an Oregon team should beat Arizona State. Utah team, I mean, I think they're kind of underrated. Uh, they should be able to beat them. Stanford should be able to beat them. Even a Colorado team mm-hmm. could could beat Arizona State, but that's all based off of what I've seen so far. I mean, Arizona State again could could come out and just surprise and, mm-hmm. and shock. And I think they just caught Michigan State completely flat footed. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. I I don't think that Michigan State is going to be that bad and and play that poorly. But I don't I don't think so. I look at this at a part of me. Okay, there's part of me that wants to give Arizona State every credit in the book. I will give them a lot of credit. I mean, they won the freaking game. Exactly. But I got to go out there and play the game. I think that they caught a Michigan State team Mm -hmm. flat footed, kind of looking past this game a little bit, Mm -hmm. thinking, hey, we're going to go and we're going to we're going to play this game. It's going to be late. No mm-hmm. one's going to watch it. It's going to be one of those blowout games. And that did not happen. I can. All right. I'm going to meet you halfway because on the ASU side, I'm meeting you 110 percent of the way. You got to go out and play the game. You play to win the game. Herm Edwards, that what that's what he preaches. That's what we know he preaches. And they went out there. They got the job done. It was a close game. They got the win late in that game. However, on the other side of it, Michigan State, there's a part of me that looks at that side of it and goes, this is a team that first off almost lost to a Utah State team that only ran for 25 yards. Their quarterback had zero touchdowns and two interceptions. And that's the Aggies. That's Utah State's offense. And you almost lost 38-31. to Like... You. This isn't like a. Oh, you blew out your first opponent. Like this is the second time that the Spartans have kind of been caught off guard. No, I know. So like, I know. That's why I'm, I each, I'm meeting you in the middle. Maybe they overlooked two games in a row. But you would think after what happened in week one, they'd go, "Oh, okay, woo, we, oh man, it, we, we gotta go." It's kind of like this is gonna be a very rough 
analogy, but it's like when you do something really bad that could almost take your life and you get away with it or you don't die and you're like, whoa, never going to do that again. Never doing that again. That's kind of what happened with Michigan State with losing being that side. And guess what they did when they went to Arizona State? They did it again. And this time they got bit and they lost the game. I mean, Arizona State, like I said, this is about them. They went out, they played the game, they have looked good. I know it was 16 to 13. You can say, well, Ricky, they didn't look that good, but Michigan State was a tough opponent. I'm looking at Arizona State this year, and I'm going, hey, you know what? Maybe they don't beat Washington at Washington. Maybe they don't beat Stanford at home. But I'm looking at the rest of the schedule going, all right, you can definitely beat Oregon State. Southern Cal hasn't looked like the Southern Cal we thought they would be. I know they haven't played a conference game yet, but, hey, maybe this Arizona State team gets some mojo behind them, goes into the Coliseum, upsets a Trojan team, I think they can maybe beat Utah, that UCLA game, that Arizona game. Like, with how those teams have looked, I know the Bruins had Wilton Spate go down, and that kind of fell into especially game one. But that Kevin Sumlin-Arizona Wildcat team doesn't look like what we thought that that team would look like. I'm telling you that that quarterback, Tate, he's not on the Heisman watch, and you're not going to be on the Heisman watch when your team is 0-2 to start the year. I'm looking at some of these other games, not the Washington, not the Stanford, maybe not even the Oregon game, but I'm looking at those other ones, Arizona, UCLA, um, Oregon State, maybe a Colorado, a Utah, I'm going, all right, some of those are now for sure wins in my book, while other ones are leaning more towards the middle ground to where this could be an Arizona State team that, yeah, they're not going to go out there and win their side of the Pac-12, but they can beat some of these bottom feeders, put themselves into a position to where next year could be, we're talking about them, hey, can they make the next step with a Herm Edwards, true Herm Edwards recruiting class? Well, Arizona State, with where they're at now, with starting off 2-0, this, they should definitely be able to get at least five or six wins this mm-hmm. season. And they should certainly get a win against Oregon State, I think. Mm-hmm. I think they should be able to get a win against Arizona. And I think that they should be able to get a win against UCLA. That's five right there. And and I and, and you just need to find one more win, and you're in a bowl game. And and again, you the, the Colorado game could mm-hmm. be a toss up uh, game. It, it's it's on the road. I think U, USC by the time that I mean it'll be close to November at that yeah. point. It's it's October 27th. Hopefully, they JT will have Daniels they will closer. have their their things figured mm-hmm. out because they've got a game what coming up against Texas. Yeah, USC does. That's that was you know supposed to be a game when they were putting it on the schedule. Yeah. Whoa, this is going to be really exciting. Two two and O teams uh-huh. that are going to be really fighting for something. Not so much. Yeah. So I, I think that USC will have it figured out by then, mm-hmm. and they should be able to beat Arizona State. But right now, Arizona State does look like a team that's got some energy. They've got life, and it's because of that head coach. Of course, they've they've got to have talent as well. But Herm Edwards is bringing a really good. Energy. He is mm-hmm. revitalizing these this team, and he's he's, he's breathing. He, he really is bringing breathing life back into it. The thing that Arizona State plays into, and I'm going to go in relation to the Trojans. The thing that they they pose now is in the preview when I was saying, ah, this Trojan team, they'll probably lose to Stanford, win all the rest of their games, play a Washington or a Stanford in the Pac-12 title game. Now it could turn into. 
all right, they lost against Stanford, lose possibly to Arizona State, have two losses. Is there another team like a Colorado that jumps up and says, oh, we don't have two losses, we only have one in conference, sit down, Trojans, we're going to the Pac-12 title game. Like That, to me, is what Arizona State will be this year after two games, I'm kind of got that mindset of like they're going to play upset to somebody. I don't think it'll be Washington on the road um, at Washington in by Seattle. I don't think it's going to be against Stanford. Those two teams are really good, but I look at it and I'm like, I don't think Oregon, or Oregon. I almost said Oregon, Oregon. Or is it Oregon? I can't speak right now. The Ducks, basically, because that one's in Eugene. So it's like those three games, Washington, Stanford, Oregon. Yeah, you know, probably not going to win those games. But then you look at those other ones. You mentioned the four that would bring them to, or three that would bring them to five. But, like, I look at Utah, Colorado, and USC, man. They could play upset to one of those teams. Well, really, it would be USC right now would be the only upset. But... They could play spoiler to some of those teams and possibly get into a bowl game or just beat San Diego State this week. You're at three, then beat the three teams you talked about, Oregon State, UCLA, and Arizona, and you've got yourself a bowl game if you're Herm Edwards and the Sun Devils. And I do believe that they're favored this week uh, for the game against San Diego State. Actually, a, a pretty a pretty big favorite. Mm-hmm. So if they could start off, if this Arizona State team could start off 3-0, and they would already be doing better than what people had expected from them mm-hmm. at the beginning of this season. I don't think anyone expected them. Uh, well, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. I, I will say no. I don't think anyone expected them to go three and zero. A lot of fans would have probably hoped for it, but I don't think anyone expected it because I personally believe that Michigan State was going to be a much better team than what they have showed so far. Mm-hmm. Michigan State was supposed to be this team that was returning all of these starters offensively and defensively. They were going to be this sound team who brought back a good offense with a good passing game and a running game and all these defenders that were going to be making big plays. Mm -hmm. So far, it's been really far from the truth. Right now, Arizona State opened as a three-point favorite against the Aztecs. As of right now... They are a four-and-a-half-point favorite against the Aztecs this weekend. Okay, so not a heavy favorite, but yeah. certainly a favorite. Mm-hmm. I I do. I think that they could probably start off 3-0. and And then from, from there, you add on those other th- three wins that I had said. You've got six. Could possibly be seven. Mm-hmm. And that's if they win those those three. I'm not saying that those are three guaranteed wins, mm-hmm. but... I mean, we're we are looking at a team that I I didn't think that we'd be seeing I, when I was watching part of the game. Actually, believe it or not, I yeah. was watching part of the game. I was mm-hmm. at the bar, um, and I looked up and I'm like, "Oh yeah, there's still a game on," and it was the Michigan State Arizona State mm-hmm. game, and I could not believe it. I could not believe what the score was. One, how it was so low scoring, and two, mm-hmm. how Michigan State was on its way to losing. Yeah, and I mean. The thing that I look at with this team is when I was watched when I've watched them this year, you look at that defense and you go, "Yeah, it's a Herm Edwards." Like they, watching them play, you say to yourself, "Yeah, that's a Herm Edwards defense. That is a Herm Edwards. Let's go out there. Let's get this team. Let's basically because like 
they like there was a play, I think it was in the week one game, where they had a 300 pound defensive tackle pick the ball off and rumble, bumble, and stumbling in for the score. He had a pick six, 300 pound lineman. That usually doesn't happen when it comes to when it comes to um, defenses and what they do. And it's like I just watch this team and I go, hey, you know what? This is a team that is built defensively. Like they right now are the 16th best scoring defense. They have the same amount of points allowed per game as the team we talked about to open the podcast. Virginia Tech, 10 points per game this year. Opponents have scored against them. Arizona State, 10 points per game. They're on the same scale as you've got Wisconsin, 8.5. Not that far ahead of them. Georgia, 8.5 as well. Stanford, only 6.5. I get get it. I get it. Two games, probably not the toughest opponent for most of these teams. But like Arizona State, you you beat a Michigan State and you're only allowing opponents to score about 10 points per game on you. If they keep that up or anywhere near that up this season, all the offense has to do is score. Yeah. Score two touchdowns and you win most most games if your defense is only giving up 10 points per game. And that to me is going to be the the biggest strength of this team and why they could possibly beat opponents is because of how strong their defense has been. You're right. I mean, that's absolutely going to be it. And as we've talked about before, two Tonight, mm-hmm. as we've as we've done these segments, it's been a lot of defense. It's been a lot of whose defense is going to be better, whose defense is going to be able to limit, in, in, in the case of the Ohio State and TCU mm-hmm. game, who's going to limit the high, if there, is TCU going to be able to limit the high-powered offense of, of Ohio State? And then when we were talking about Clemson-Virginia Tech, Who's going to win the turnover battle? Mm-hmm. And who's going to play the cleanest game? What defense is going to be able to take the ball away? That uh, that defense is so important. Everyone wants to be able to look at the offense and say, how many points can you score? Well, look at this past game. There were not a whole lot of points scored, but it was who was going to be more effective. And mm-hmm. I think that, that that did come down to how good defensively this Arizona State team played because – I really am and convinced that if this Michigan State team is able to figure it out and turn it around, mm-hmm. they can score a lot of points. And that just was not the case. And a big part of that is because Arizona State has a solid defense. Now, I'm going to ask you this question, and I've got two final questions. One about Arizona State. I'll save that till the very end. This one's kind of, I'm taking the needle and I'm injecting this into the topic. This was going to be just to pull the curtain back for everyone watching and listening at home. I had in my mind watching that game, all right, if Michigan State wins this game, we'll talk about should Michigan State fans be worried or how worried they should be about their team. If Arizona State wins, we're talking about what we're talking about right now. But I'm going to ask you anyways, the kind of short, the TLDR of it is how worried should Michigan State fans be about their team? Not only like it wasn't like a whoa, we got out of that one with a win. They're one and one and could have easily been 0 and 2 to start. Should Michigan State fans be worried in East Lansing? Yeah, I think that they should be. Uh, I think they should be a little bit worried. 
because that's no way that you want to start off the season. That that's for sure. Especially when we're talking about them maybe competing in the Big Ten Beast. Well, that's true. I mean, I and I still think that there will be competition for that. Mm-hmm. But you are going to be if you're if you're Michigan State, you've got a very tough schedule coming up mm-hmm. you know ahead of you i mean you're going to be playing quality opponents and, and 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 like you mentioned while arizona state may have been a quality opponent let's say they are because mm-hmm. they're in the top 25 for now yeah you lost to them the game before that not really a quality opponent you barely got by them mm-hmm. it's it's interesting to say the least so far on how Michigan State has started off. But two, I think you could say the same thing about Michigan State started off slow. Penn State, they started off slow against Appalachian State. They came out certainly and and put up a, a whopping number on, against Pitt. I know they blew out and, Pitt, and then, but they started out slow against Pitt too. And then uh, Michigan, they came out. They did not play mm-hmm. w- well against Notre Dame. And then they, of course, put a... Notre sh- Dame's a tougher opponent, They, they put a shellacking on... In, but I'm just saying yeah. they they I mean they've we were all started mm-hmm. off outside of Ohio State in yeah. the in the beast mm-hmm. the Big Ten East they've all started off a little slow and that's where I think the only the only difference from like Penn State's closer to Michigan State but they got the wins um, the only difference between like a Michigan and a Michigan State is you talk about oh Michigan started out slow. They played Notre Dame compared to Michigan State. They played Utah State. Like, that's the level of the opponent. Where, as I almost look at Michigan now and go, oh, you started off slow against Notre Dame. Yeah, but Notre Dame played really good. And, like, they're a good team. Like, that week one game, they were a good team. They were probably the better team, deserved to win that game. Whereas Utah State, it's like you should have went in there and just laid the shillelagh, like, to take an fighting Irish term, you should have hit him over the head with the shillelagh and ran away with that game. You should have basically King Leonidas from 300, Sparta kicked the Aggies into next Tuesday, but you didn't. You only won 38-31. Here's the final question. Because for me to answer to, I would be freaking panicking if I'm a Michigan State fan. I don't think you beat Penn State. I don't think you beat Ohio State this year. Like, just the fact that you almost lost to Utah State, I would put Northwestern as a possible loss, Penn State as a loss, Michigan as a possible loss, Purdue as a possible loss, Ohio State as a loss. Two for sure losses, three possible losses on the year. Will they lose all, what, Six, five of those games? Probably not. But, like, I would panic about those opponents after almost being 0-2 to start the year. The last question I was really going to ask you is about Arizona State. Put a if-do-facto on the Arizona State. How do you think they're going to do in the Pac-12 this year? Do they make a bowl game in Herm Edwards' first year? I say that they'll make a bowl game. I say they'll make a bowl game. They'll Mm -hmm. win six maybe seven games and they'll they'll go to a bowl game in his first season and they'll be very very happy uh certainly about that mm-hmm. I, I i can definitely see it happening 
I can definitely see it happening. I've got it right here. I'm going to go game by game really quick. They'll win this week against San Diego State. There's your spoiler alert for the next segment. They will lose against Washington, boo-hoo, but then they will beat the Beavers next week. They're not four wins. They'll lose to Colorado. Eh, it's in Colorado. You'll live with it. Ah, they lose to Stanford. They were a better team. They upset the Trojans. Boom, there's five wins right there. You know you're going to have a lot then of Trojan fans that hate you because they, the Trojans don't think that Notre Dame could exactly, beat them in the Coliseum. They certainly exactly. don't think Arizona State could beat them. They lose to Utah. They beat UCLA. There's six. There's your bowl game. Confetti goes off. They lose to Oregon and Eugene. They beat Kevin Sumlin and Arizona. They finish with seven wins. They get a good bowl game. Herm Edwards, a successful season, I think, at the end of the year for the Sun Devils and kind of maybe what we will start to talk about after this year is kind of what I think it was um, during the Michigan State game. They were saying it was the ASU AD was talking about turning when they were looking for a head coach, they were looking for someone who could turn this program into a college football contender, a guy who could turn it because they want, obviously everyone wants their football program to be one of the best. And we could look at the season going, okay, maybe in three years this team is competing for the Pac-12, especially their side of the Pac-12. They've really got a good two-game start to the year under Herm Edwards. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in that comment section. What do you think of the Sun Devils? After two weeks, am I too high on them? Is Brandon right on the head with them? Because Brandon's not blowing too much smoke up the um, Sun Devils' rear end. I mean, because you just said win this week, beat three teams that are bottom feeders in UCLA, Arizona, and Oregon State, and you get your bowl game where I'm saying you're going to upset the Trojans in the Coliseum. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in that comment section. But Brandon, let's close out the podcast doing what we do each and every week. And actually, as I say that, I should probably open up our picks document so yes. that I can read off my picks because I don't remember who I picked earlier today. But we are going to pick all the top 25 games. And the great thing about right now is that there will never be a Monday night college football game. So the top 25s will be what they will be by the end of the week. I know we didn't do the Kentucky-Florida game because the rankings came out after we recorded. Um, came out on Tuesday. We recorded on Monday. But we'll start things off with a big 12 matchup. Number 5 Oklahoma, 2-0, going up against 0-1 Iowa State. The line on ESPN, and my lines I am taking from the ESPN box score, just so you guys know, Oklahoma's a 17-and-a-half-point favorite. Who are you thinking, Brandon? Oh, man, this is a <laughs> tough one. I'm going to have to go with Oklahoma in this one. I know that last year last was year different. was different, but I, I am going to have to go with, with, uh, with Oklahoma. Yeah, I, too, am going with Oklahoma, mainly because of how Oklahoma has looked so far. Plus, I got to see, first I got to see what, the Cyclones were against Iowa, which wasn't great. Then you also have the news that Kyle Kempt is day-to-day with an ankle injury and is unsure for the OU game. But because of that, I'm going to go with the number 5 Sooners to get the win and go to 0-3 with Kyler Murphy at the lead. He had, what, five touchdowns so far this season? He has been really good or had five touchdowns last week, one of the two. I'm just looking at the players to watch on ESPN. Then you've got Kent State going into... University Park to play 
the Penn State Nittany Lions. Penn State in this one, Brandon, a 35-point favorite, and I got to go with the Nittany Lions, although they almost lost to Appalachian State Week 1. Got to go with Penn State. Uh, they got back on track last week against Pitt. I actually thought that Pitt might be able to give them a game for a little while. They, I think it really was maybe just a little while, and then Penn State ran away with it. Then we're going to move on yet again. You've got the national champions from last year, the number 18 USF Golden Knights. They are 2-0 to start. They're going to go into Chapel Hill to play the winless North Carolina State Tar Heels. Got to go with UCF, North Carolina. Basketball school. That's has basically not, what it is. They have not been been good in, in terms of football this yeah. season. I'm on the other mindset of the Golden Knights have looked really good this season. Yeah, they played UConn and South Carolina State, but they've blown out both opponents, and that could continue this week against the Tar Heels in Chapel Hill. Then another game that is interesting because you've got Miami, who's 1-1. One one. They 77 points last week. Then you have Toledo, which had 66 points last week. They only had one game. That's why they're the best-scoring offense in college football right now. Miami's only a 10.5-point favorite in Toledo. Is there any chance that the Rockets get the win do the Rockets fly into a hurricane and survive, or <laughs> does the hurricane suck up the rocket and go? I guess and blow always it up? a chance, Ricky. Always <laughs> a chance, but I, I think Miami is going to get it together. I think that they are going to string mm-hmm. another win together here. They're going to beat Toledo. Yeah, people are going to get bored. You know, last week they're like, "Oh, you're not picking any uh, upsets." I do have some upsets this week. This is not one of them. Toledo does not get the win. Miami is Miami, and they will not play like they did against. Oh, LSU, they'll play like they did last week against Savannah State. They will get the win. Then we've got the game that could be an upset. It was in 2015, but I don't think it will be. We've got East Carolina going into Blacksburg, Virginia to play the Virginia Tech Hokies. The Hokies are a 28-point favorite, and I am riding high with the Hokies. They are going to win this one, go to 3-0 and on the season. What are you thinking? Are you going to pick... I think it's the Pirates from East Carolina. I am not going to pick the Pirates. Okay. I am going to stick with Virginia Tech. I'm going to go with the Hokies as well. And I'm going to double check. I think they're the Pirates, or they could be the Buccaneers. Nope, they are the Pirates, so I was right. The East Carolina Pirates. That's always a weird one. It could be Pirates or it could be Buccaneers when it comes to football. Then we've got another easy one. UC Davis, they're 2-0, and but they're going into Stanford Stadium to play the Stanford Cardinal. I've got Bryce Love and the Cardinal to win against UC Davis. Yeah, Stanford looked good last week against USC. I think that uh, that's going to help propel them to another win this week. Then this is the one, Brandon. This is the one where I had such a hard time picking a winner for this game. Vanderbilt, Notre Dame. Yes, Notre Dame looked good against Michigan, but Michigan did not look good at all. Then you had Notre Dame... Yes, they got the win, but did not win like many thought they would against Ball State. Vanderbilt is 2-0. Vanderbilt has a really good defense thus far. I know they've only played teams like Mid-Tennessee State and Nevada, but they're only giving up 17 points in both of those games combined. I thought long and hard, and I was like, you know what? Notre Dame's only a 14.5-point favorite. There's a chance the Commodores could walk into South Bend 
and upset a top 10 fighting Irish team, although I do not have the cojones to make that pick, and I ended up just sticking with the fighting Irish. Call me a coward, but I am just not that confident in Vandy and couldn't pick them to upset the fighting Irish. No, I, I, I can't either. I think that Vanderbilt will have a tough time trying to contain Brandon Wimbush. I, I also think that Notre Dame's defense will be able to cause some, some havoc for Vanderbilt. Plus, I'll be completely honest. I will be completely honest. Vanderbilt's defense always leaves a bad taste in my mouth, especially because remember the time they were like, Hey, Alabama, yeah. guess what? You oh, got yeah. us. And then they got rolled. So oh, yeah. Oh, I remember that well. That always plays in the back of my head when it comes to Vanderbilt and their defense. Then another game, which should be another easy one, Clemson playing host to Georgia Southern. They're a 33.5-point favorite. They're going to win the game. And then I'm just going to double dip here. BYU, who did not look good last week, they're a 21.5-point underdog to the Badgers. I'm double dipping taking the Tigers and the Badgers to win over Georgia Southern and BYU. Yeah, I'm going to go with with Clemson and Wisconsin as well. They they've been they've been rolling and I know that Clemson had a, a test last week against the the Aggies from Texas A&M, but they were able to get past them. Mm-hmm. They won by 2 points. A win is a win is a win is a win. And Wisconsin, they've just been looking like a really solid team in the Big Ten. And now the next three. The next three, we could be getting some upsets in this one. The next one, we go to Auburn, Alabama. Jordan-Hare Stadium will be the site, Brandon. The LSU Tigers, 2-0, going up against the number 7-ranked Auburn Tigers. It is a Tiger-on-Tiger battle. Auburn's a 10-point favorite in this one and the higher rank. Who do you go with, LSU or Auburn? You know, this is a game that I think is going to be a really fun one to watch. Make sure that you are watching it, but I'm going to go with the home Tigers. I've got to go with Auburn mm-hmm. because Auburn just, if they're able, Nick Brosette did a really good job when LSU came out and played against Miami. He had over 120 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. Auburn's not going to allow that, or at least they shouldn't if they come out and they play like they did against Washington. They held Washington down. Washington's playmakers weren't able to do a whole lot. Gaskin was held to 75 yards on the ground. I just don't see LSU being able to have that same success running the football. And then it's going to go, what can Burrow do? Mm -hmm. That's what it's going to go to. What can he do? Because when I said that he was a game manager, people said, no, 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 no. No, no, no. He's didn't, a lot better than that. Didn't they say field manager? Someone, I someone, think, in the comments someone, section was like, he's not a game manager, he's a field manager. Yeah, big freaking difference. So <laughs> well, I, I, One's I, a I game, think, one's managing field position. I, I, I think that, I know, but the same is, it's both worthless. <laughs> so I think that well, ultimately... One's Alex Smith. Ultimately, LSU is not going to be able to put up the same points and success that they had against Miami. I think Auburn's going to win it, though. I am, and for this one, I'll be completely honest, forgot my button again, so I'm going old school. I'm hitting the upset button. LSU Tigers 3-0 on the year. They are going to beat the Auburn Tigers in Jordan-Hare Stadium, and here is what I will tell you why. First off, Nick Brosette, he's going to have a if I could talk, Leonard Fournette type of day. He is going to run all over this Auburn Tiger defense, and I know that this Auburn Tiger defense I was just talking up two weeks ago to beat Washington, which I was right about that game as well. 
Not like Miles Gaskin, Brosset going to have a big game. Then Burroughs, I don't care if he's a field manager, a game manager, call him whatever you want. What he does not do is turn over the football. LSU has had zero turnovers in their two games. They will continue that going. Their defense, though, will force Jarrett Stidham to turn over that football, giving Brosset and Burroughs more chances with the football. Ed Orgeron is uh, doing a little dance after this one. Because LSU going to be 3-0 after beating the Auburn Tigers on the road. Then the next game, this could also be an upset. You got West Virginia going into Raleigh, North Carolina to play the NC State Wolfpack. Who are you taking? You taking the underdog Wolfpack or the 3.5-point favorite? Mountaineers. I'm going to go with Will Greer and the Mountaineers. Uh, with him, at, really good. With him at the helm, offensively they've been really clicking, and I don't think that there's any reason why we should go away from that West Virginia. Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. Like at first, I was like, ah, this could be one. I'm like, okay, this North Carolina team does not have. Yes, they have Finley still, but they don't have Bradley Chubb, and Will Greer had has looked great to start this year. I got to ride with the Mountaineers in. North Carolina to beat the Wolfpack. Then another one. I got to ask you this. This is one I've got to clarify. For an upset, are we going to go with the line or are we going to go with the ranking? We're going with the ranking. So with the ranking, we've got number 17, Boise State, going into number 24, Oklahoma State. The reason why I ask, Boise State, the higher ranked team, but the Cowboys in Stillwater are three-point favorites over Boise State. The reason why I have to ask is because I'm picking Boise State, so technically I am going no upset in this one, the Broncos, to beat the Cowboys. How about you? I'm also going with Boise State. Okay. I'm also going with Boise I you were State. Hit your button. No, 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 no. I think that uh, Brett Ripien and uh, his 667 yards and seven TDs with no interception so far to start the season, he's looked really good. I think that they're going to be able to throw a lot on this uh, Cowboy defense. Now, these next one, I'm just going to kind of go through. I'm going to package a lot of them together because, I'll be honest, I think the next five, me and you are not going to differ too much. I'll package two together here. Michigan SMU, SMU's 0-2. Michigan at the big house should be able to win. They're a 35-point favorite. I'm going with Michigan. And then at Autzen Stadium in Eugene, Oregon, 0-2 San Jose State going up against number 20, Oregon. The Ducks should get the win in this one. They've got a high-powered offense. And then I'll package a third one in. Alabama, 21-point favorite over Old Miss. This could be one that Old Miss fans might want to tell us could be an upset, but I ain't having it. Tua going to get the win, and I'm going Michigan, Oregon, Alabama in our three-package deal here. Yeah, I'm going to go with Michigan as well. I, I think that they'll they'll keep rolling there. Oregon should get the win. Alabama, I, I don't think that they should run into any problems at Ole Miss. Old Miss and, did and, look and, good though. Here and, and here's the thing though is that the, when Ole Miss, against Texas Ole, Tech. Ole Miss of old, mm-hmm. it would have been an interesting game. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure. I'm not completely sold on Ole Miss being all the way back. I got to go with Alabama. But who's the starting quarterback, Brandon? Who's the starting quarterback at Alabama? Because it really matters who the starting quarterback is. <laughs> Apparently, it matters. No, it doesn't. Either one plays, they get the win. However, I will say that I wouldn't be surprised if the Rebels upset in this game. Then the next two I'm going to package together. Georgia, mid middle Tennessee. Georgia's a 32.5-point favorite. I don't think they lose this game. 
Then you got Mississippi State going up against the Raging Cajuns. I know it's Cajuns, but I like saying Cajuns. The Raging Cajuns of Louisiana. Our Mississippi State is a 33.5-point favorite. I'm going with the Dogs and the Bulldogs. Basically, both dogs to get wins at home in their respective games. Yeah, I'm going with Georgia and Mississippi State as well. And then the big one. We talked about this game. We did an entire segment about this game, and I said in that one that I did not know who I was going to pick. So I'm going to let you go first. Jerry World this weekend, 7 p.m. Central Time. Ohio State 2-0 plays TCU 2-0. Ohio State is the higher-ranked team. They're a 12-point favorite. Who are you going with? I've got to go with Ohio State. I think that they just have too much firepower, too many weapons. I don't think TCU is going to be able to slow them down enough to be able to get the win. Got to go with the Buckeyes. I I remember in the preview, I said, if there's any game where Urban Meyer is not coaching that could be a loss, it's this one. Um, and then Ohio State's offense came out and kind of uh, put those words that I said and kind of just said, hey, Ricky, we're going to put these right up your rear end. We're just going to shove those in there to where uh, they're nice and tight um, because this offense has looked phenomenal. I wanted to pick TCU in this one. I did. After everything I said in that second segment about TCU and what do they need to do to win the game, Dwayne Haskins has looked really good. Dobbins has looked good. This whole Ohio State offense has looked good. I think that the defense for Ohio State, though, is going to do enough to limit the TCU offense, and I think that Ohio State gets the win this weekend in Jerry World. And then there were three, Brandon. The next one is the game everyone was going to be excited for, but nobody is probably excited for now. The one-on-one teams, the Trojans, the Longhorns in Austin, Texas. The Texans are, are the Texas is three and a half point the, the favorite. The Texas? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's late. The Texas or Texas is three and a <laughs> half point favorites, but USC is the 22-ranked team compared to Texas's non-ranked. I'm going to go hit the upset in this one. I'm going to go Texas just because, but I'm going Texas to beat the Trojans. I need to hmm. want to be wrong again. <laughs> and I don't. I don't want to be wrong again. Yeah. I was. I seemed, I felt like I was wrong a lot last week. So I, I'm going to go with Texas as well. I'm going to pick the Longhorns. Uh, Ellinger had a, had a good game last week. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that USC is in a good spot right now coming mm-hmm. off a tough loss against Stanford. 17-3, only scoring three points. They had... They're, they had their 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 young quarterback, JT Daniels, certainly looking like a freshman in that game last week. So I, I think that uh, Texas is going to be able to get it done at home. Longhorns get the win. And then there were two, Washington, Utah, Arizona State, San Diego State. I'm packaging these together because I think we're both going to go favorites in this one. I could be wrong. In Utah, I got the Huskies getting the win. The top 10 team stays a roll, and they'll go 2-1. and one. And then Arizona State, 4.5-point favorite. I'm going to take them. I'm going Sun Devils to beat the Aztecs in San Diego and go on to 3-0. and oh. Yeah, I think Utah is going to surprise and actually play Washington pretty, pretty tight the entire game, but I think Washington's offense is just going to be too much for the for the Utah defense, and it's going to be a win thanks to Miles Gaskin and Browning. 
And then the last thing. And then, this oh, and, one, then and also, I, I also have to, you packaged them together. That's right. And Arizona State. I'm also going to go with Arizona State. I think that after what we've saw, seen these last two weeks, especially mm-hmm. their tenacity and their fight in last week's game, I think even this game on the road at San Diego State, that they can still get the win. And I have to look up really quick because I have to give the commenter who commented this the not the respect the kind of basically hey this is who gave the idea and basically rob purdue commented last week and said you guys should also pick each or you should also each pick one team outside of the top 25 each week and then i kind of asked them like a oh non-top 25 game of our own choosing for each week and he said yeah uh it would mix it up a non-top 25 best bet would be interesting to see what what you guys pick. And I said, we can definitely start doing that. So we're going to start doing that this week. It's going to be kind of like... And another thing this adds into it, for those who care, is after two weeks, last week's record, both you and I did fairly well. Um, I went 23-1 and one in our 24 picks. The only one I got wrong was that Michigan State game. And you went 22 and two, because you got Michigan State wrong, but also you got the Stanford-USC game wrong. So after our week one our week one records, now with these, I on the year am a total of 41 and four to start the year. Brandon is a total of 39 and six because it's funny, week one, I was 18 and three, you were 17 and four. So I'm always one win. Ahead of you. What this also does is with us picking two different games, it allows somebody to, if someone's wrong here, get an extra win and affect the records just like that. But I'm going to let you go first. What do you got? for your non-top 25 game that you're going to pick this week? Well, I'm going with a team that hit clo- hits close to home for one of our patrons, and that's our, our patron, Matt. His his Purdue Boilermakers, 0-2 to start the season, not the way that he wanted it to go, certainly not the way that Purdue thought it was going to go. They lost last week to Eastern Michigan, Ricky, 20 to 19. Mm-hmm. 20 to 19 on a last second field goal. Now, that is absolutely 100% embarrassing. I think that Purdue's going to come out this week. They're playing at home against Mizzou, and the Boilermakers get their first win of the season. You know what? I huh. So you're saying Purdue gets their first win of the season? I thought you were going to go when you said a team of our patron. I thought you were going to go on a different route. Kansas playing Rutgers this week I at home. I thought of that game. But... I did too, but I was like, oh, I think Brandon might go with this one. A patron Pat, Kansas is actually a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Rutgers. I almost went with that one, but I am not. I almost changed it right now on the podcast. but uh... And I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm going out on a limb because Purdue is, is mm-hmm. not favored. In that game against Mizzou, I do yeah. not believe. I believe actually Missouri is a, a fairly big favorite there. I am actually going to go with a ACC Big Twelve matchup this week, and this is one that some will say, "Well, Ricky, way to pick a game where Duke could be without their quarterback." But Duke is a team started out; they got a big upset win over Northwestern last week. They're going to start two and zero. Then surprisingly, well, surprisingly to me, Baylor is 
2-0 on the year, could go 3-0 with a win in Waco this week. Then they play Kansas next week. This is a Baylor team that could start the year off 4-0 on the year. I am actually going to pick Baylor. I know they're a six-and-a-half point favorite. I know that Duke could be without their quarterback in this game, but Baylor's a team I got to give some love to because I crept all over them in our Big 12 preview. Like, there were Baylor Bear fans that were like, three wins, Ricky? Three wins? That's all you're going to give us all year? And they could get it in the first three games of the year. Yet again, another team taking the words that I spew out of my mouth and basically saying, hey, Ricky, remember these words? Hey, let's just cram them right up that rear end for you um, and just shove them right up your can. But got to give some love to Baylor. I think they're going to get the win at home this week against the Duke Blue Devils. And that will conclude our pick. So a little fun one there at the end. Kind of some non-top 25 teams to look out for this week. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in the comment section. Who do you got for each game? Brandon and I differing, I think, on two games this week? Or are we only differing on one again? I think, actually, besides the top 25 one, because that's different, um, I think, yet again, the only game we are differing on is that LSU... Auburn game. I am going with two upsets this week, LSU and Texas. Brandon just going with Texas to be his lone upset of the week. But this is where you guys come in and let us know what you think down below in that comment section. Also, a little housekeeping here at the end. Make sure to support us on patreon.com backslash most valid podcast. You want to be like Pat and Matt, who we mentioned, and be on a podcast, make sure to check out the $10 tier. You can also get our t-shirt down below in the description as well. You can also get that at mostvalidpodcast.com where you can catch MVP each and every day. And then last but not least, make sure to go on to iTunes. Please give us a five-star rating. Let us know why you like listening to the podcast. Even if you're on YouTube, if you could go over, it would really mean the world to us. Only four ratings, well, a four-star rating out of seven ratings for us. And one of them, we are, like, I say this every week, and I will continue to say it until they get annoyed with it. We're not a couple of good old boys, except for the picks, and except for when we talked about Miami, not a single mention of an SEC team this entire podcast. We talked about Big Ten, we talked about Pac-12, we talked about the Big 12, we talked about the ACC. Did not have a single topic, focus on an SEC team, but apparently we're still a couple of good old boys that only talk about the SEC. That is what people think when they look at the iTunes review. So that's why we need the real MVPs to go set the record straight and let people know that we're not a couple of good old boys. So if you can do that, that would mean the world to us. want to thank you guys for watching on YouTube. want to thank you guys for listening on podcast services around the world. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. 
That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 